live from my bedroom. It is Stay Busy with Armand Sadler. gentlemen welcome to another edition of stay busy with armand sadler i am your host my name is in the name of the show if you don't know it by now it's fine i'm also three mile monday poppy vegan chorizo poppy quarantine poppy party mobile poppy i do it all um this quarantine stuff has definitely had had us stir crazy as we said but i'm feeling my creative juices coming back i'm really excited to to do some dope stuff and um, yeah, so I'm feeling good today. How are how are you feeling, co-host? Yeah, I'm doing good. What's up, y'all? My name is Nick Early. I'm here. I'm excited. The sun is shining in Harlem, but I am indoors. You thought it was. <laughs> there it is. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as you know, we did Stay Busy Women's History Month last month. A great time. Some phenomenal guests, Regina, Kitty, Imaris, and Tori. However, this week, we have another phenomenal, phenomenal guest with us. Now, she goes popularly at, uh goes by the hot girl journalist um her bylines are insane her presence on social media is insane i don't know a single person who dislikes this person if they do they're probably just a hater mm-hmm. so ladies and gentlemen we would like to introduce you all to taylor crumpton yeah taylor. <laughs> hey y'all i'm excited to be on the pod yes we're so glad to have you taylor thank you for being here with us virtually we're excited Absolutely. This is uh, one of our employees of the week as well. So it's always fun to, you know, give you guys a little description of them, but then bring them on so they can speak for themselves. So we're really, really excited for this. It's definitely been um, a long time coming. You know, our social media friendship is, is blossoming. Um, so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really excited about this. So yeah, shout out to you for joining us and shout out to anyone who is tuning in for the first time, any new listeners, whether you like Purell or Germex, Lysol or Clorox, sweet potato pie or pumpkin pie, Confessions 1, Confessions 2, or the Confessions 3 snippet, Tory Lane's controller, or Drake controller. And I'm going to throw in whether you eat chitlins or not. How do you feel about chitlins? Whoa, what was that? Ooh. Ooh. I can't do chitlins, but I've never had them. I've had other intestines from other animals. Mm. I can't because Caribbean. But uh, yeah, no, I don't think I'll ever do chitlins. I love myself enough. I love myself enough not to eat chitlins, y'all. I come from the real (laughs) rural south where I would come home from school and my mama would have chitlins in the house and it would take everything in me to be like, we don't, we ain't in slavery no more. Like, why are we eating this? We don't have to. Right, guys, we don't have to do this. (laughs) Tell me, what does that even smell like? It is like the worst smell on the place of the planet. Oh, God. That's yeah, they definitely good. don't smell the best, but I, I enjoy them. You throw a little hot sauce and mustard in that shit, man. It hot hits. sauce and mustard, sir. Yeah. Please, let's yep. move on. Please. Y'all be eating like <laughs> hot dogs. Like yeah. hot dogs. Yeah. Let's just move on, please. <laughs> <laughs> 
want to give a huge shout out to the Variety Pack Festival and Kiera Williams. Uh, she was our employee of the week a couple weeks ago. We had the opportunity to uh, play some of our Regina episode in this digital festival that they set up for artists, creatives, podcasters, filmmakers. Um, and we were in the YouTube chat. Uh, we got a really good reception from the people. We you know, curated a whole discussion around 8701 or confessions. People were getting at me for um, me liking Party Mobile so much, but just overall, it was a really, really fun time. So shout out to them for setting that up. It's so cool to see how creative people are being in the midst of not being able to go outside and use their normal resources to do stuff. Um, so that was a great idea and hopefully something that, that, that they continue even when life becomes normal because you know it's hard to make those flights out to all the different festivals and kind of like you know change your your life around you know we all have really busy schedules so why not bring it right to our computer screen um huge shout out to anchor our distribution platform if you do not know anchor will distribute your podcast for free to all of the streaming platforms and you can get some sponsored ads regardless of your listenership and again a shout out to our landlords for providing these buildings so we can be recording uh in our homes very, very important. Let's jump right into this chat, man. Um, Frank Ocean came outside once again, Listen. dropped off two singles. We got Dear April and Cayendo. How, how are y'all feeling about those? Estoy cayendo. Oh my gosh. Help. Help. I was listening to these at what? It was like 1 a.m. Mm-hmm. I was just laying in my bed. It was a long day. And then I saw Frank get dropped, and I just, I just turned it on. Why are they outside? They don't even need to be outside right now. I don't, I don't understand. Oh, help. If y'all, if y'all are tuning in, Armand is also on the set of the new Fast and Furious movie. Uh. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, anyways, so yeah. Um, wow. No, Frank, I mean... <sighs> Frank just he, he has a special place for my heart. So I mean like his music really just it resonates, I think, with everyone that I've spoken to, except for one person, and you know who you are, Chase. One person <laughs> literally says Frank Ocean. He's like, Frank Ocean's terrible. I said, Huh? It, I yes, you gasp. Audible mm-hmm. gasp. Like that's wild. It makes no oh sense. My God. Right, right, exactly. So but anyways, his his music on point. This is just on par with everything that we've heard. Um I'm really excited. What y'all think? Taylor, did you get a chance to hear Man, when I tell y'all, I'm so happy that I have healed from a situation <laughs> right? earlier this year because I woke up this morning, like made a cup of coffee, like listened to them. And I was like, oof. I was like, I'm having flashbacks. Like, and then Frank would have the nerve to drop this in April. Dear mm-hmm. April, in April, his mind, I feel like the meme where the person has like all of the, the papers in the background. Yeah. Where they're like, he, <laughs> he, he knew Frank is a prophet. Y'all can fight me about this. He knew we were going to be inside. Maybe we're having a quarantine, like boo, we're having a Zoom FaceTime date. He was like, here you go. Here's a soundtrack to your love life under Rona. Yeah. Nah, they were, they were really, really good singles for me. They were especially good to hear because I wasn't a huge fan of DHL and In My Room that he dropped several months ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, we talked about this. And and it's it's not like I dislike them. I wouldn't call them bad songs. It was just, it might have been a little too, and Frank is experimental. So I'm not, I like me saying it's too experimental for me might be like, well, what the hell? Like, do you like Frank? But I I, I don't know. It, It was just, they just didn't connect with me, but that's, that's fine. But these absolutely did. You know, they they were more 
traditional type R&B. Him singing in Spanish is absolutely beautiful. Mm. Um, so yeah, no, I, I really enjoy these records. And if, whether he has an album coming soon or not, you never know with Frank. Um, but I'm I'm looking forward to it. I, I think this is a good time to sit with Frank's type of music, where you're just in your feelings and yeah, just terrorizing yourself emotionally. So <laughs> emotionally terrorized. Now, like he had, there's a few lines in there. I audibly was like, mm, like at one in the morning in my bed, like what? Yeah, I was sitting there, all the lights off, just listening on the phone with my, my you know, ear in my pillow, just listening, just like, dang, this dude is different. <laughs> You had the vibe set up, bro. Woo! Toxicity. <laughs> it escaped. Did anybody catch that Sade reference? No. Tell, tell us. us. Tell us. Where um, it's like the second one where he's like, "I still really, really love you." Mm. Like I, I listened to it this morning, and I was like, "I still really, really love you." Your love is stronger than pride, and I said, like, "God darn it, Frank! Mm. You went into the archives." That is tell like, it. that is a Sade subtweet. See, you know help. I need help, Frank. <laughs> help. Uh, well, we're glad we had you here so you could point that out to us. Now I'm going to be listening for that. I don't even really feel like I want to listen again. It's just emotion. <laughs> it's emotional. <laughs> Look, light an incense, get your candle, a nice journal. All I got is some good tea. All right, get get the tea going. Like, and just realize, like Frank, these two singles have such like a like a like a circle nature like even dear april we sat there as he went through a whole entire relationship like from like you seeing your ex when it's like you're the only face in the crowd i know we were two strangers we had two lives they intersected we grew together now at the end of the song it's funny because like he repeats like I looked at it kind of like writing an essay where like your thesis and your lead are really supposed to like mirror each other, kind of like kissing cousins. And if mm. you look at the lyrics at the song, they do that, right? It's like a perfect quintessential like love story where it's like, you're the only face in the crowd. I knew you were a stranger. We fell in love. Now it's like you're seeing your ex again and they're watching like a performer or something. And it's like, are you watching him dance? Like dear April, are you watching him dance? When it started, I was like, dear April, you were the only face in the crowd that I knew. Like, uh, Lyric breakdowns. Uh, like the, the imagery, like I literally could see like this beautiful love story. And like, I think love is in the air. Also, if you follow me on Twitter, I've been encouraging everyone to shoot their shot, get a quarantine mm-hmm. boot, get a like Zoom date. So like Frank would provide us like, the soundtrack for love of like in Rona, just like he gave us like the soundtrack for love on Tumblr. Mm-hmm. Man, he's a you know the, the there are people who feel like Frank don't like us because he don't come outside and you know he doesn't pander to fans and their incessant desires, but then he gives us music like this and it's like man, you really are thinking about us. Crazy, <laughs> right? Greatness Crazy. is time. We unfortunately have to jump into some sad news. Um, this week, past week, we lost a legend in music, Bill Withers. If you do not know who Bill Withers is, ain't no sunshine. Use me. <laughs> Lino, like, bro, like, you, you you can stop there. You can honestly stop there, but you can't stop there. He's he's given us so many classic songs in in black culture and in music in general. Like, it's he, he just has this indelible impact. Use me, lean on me, lovely day. Like, come on. Yeah. So it, it, it hit. 
that really hit hard for me because I think about I was having this conversation with uh, with Rashad Meek. Shout out Rashad. Um, just how uh, one of the uh, Marsalis brothers he had passed away, and so like there's a huge family in in jazz, um, and so we're just thinking we're just talking about how like an era is starting to end, um, mm-hmm. of, like the people that we grew up listening to or that our parents listened to. A lot of them are growing old and, and moving on and leaving this earth, and so it's just like. For me, as someone who grew up listening to pretty much that and being a child way <laughs> older than my time, and those sort of being some of my, you know, really, really close childhood memory songs, mm-hmm. it's really odd to think of Bill Withers gone. Like, I think of, you know, I think of After School on Fridays when you just go to our local city fa- farmer's market and the bands would always be playing, you know, uh, Bill Withers songs. One of the most famous radio stations in L.A. is called 94.7 The Wave. Um, it like growing up they were always playing bill withers always Mm -hmm. and so like i've seen his documentary i've studied him as a songwriter he's also very important because like he made it later on in his career he made it as an older man like he had had a whole life and his song his style was like very earthy it was like almost black folk music and Mm -hmm. so like for that he became a pop soul star you know and he 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 went into the, the main light like that and it was just you should also watch if you haven't watched uh, the the Black Godfather on Netflix. Clarence Avon um, had signed him to Sussex Records, and so they they had a whole uh, conversation about Bill's uh, rise to fame. And it's just you listen to I sang Grandma's Hands one of his songs to my grandma for her birthday, and it was just like I don't know. Like for me, it really hit. I'm rambling, but you know. No, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> so yeah. So How did this? Uh, did did you have anything you wanted to? To say about Bill Taylor. Sorry, I don't want to cut you cut you off and jump into the next topic. Nah, I think for me, you know, something when we think about those who gave us like that Sunday morning cleaning music, like mm-hmm. I always consider singers kind of like the Isley brothers, like the Commodores, the ones where like you wake up and you know your mom is like gonna clean or like y'all are heading to church, whatever it is. But you know, for that whole entire generation that whole entire collective like they really should be given the honor of like contributing to like americana music right because bill Mm. weathers is folk he's country he's blues he's r&b he's rock and roll he's gospel right and it took so much later for him in life to be honored and acknowledged for his contributions but the same way in which um, soul and hip hop and R and B warned him. He sh- he should be warned by those in country and folk and rock and roll because his music was so multi general and faceted, just like the black singers were of that day. So mm-hmm. I think it's it's so sad that you know he should be able to re- receive flowers from every single genre that he touched and influenced. Because like as people said, he was a songwriter, songwriter. Um, mm. So I hope to see like. I hate to see someone like pass. Like I'm glad we have another ancestor, but I really need a lot of other like facets of the music industry to give him his flowers now that he's gone. Mm. There it is. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really tough. Like you kind of just get accustomed to the legends being there and, you know, giving us what they gave and then enjoying their lives. And you never think about when they're going to go. Like, I remember when we lost the queen, uh, Aretha Franklin, like, it was just like, mm. damn, like, it's you know you just don't think about losing them and then it happens you're like now you you know we we have to really like you said we have to give flowers we have to recognize how he transcended um beyond black music and black culture and yeah so well, hopefully hopefully we see more of that effort 
Hall of Fame inductions and tribute performances and all that because um, he, he definitely deserves it. Let's jump into this uh, new single, Lon Loner. Is this how you pronounce it, Nick? You always help me with no, pronunciations. I'm pretty sure it's Loner. Loner. Okay, with no E. All right. Loner featuring her. Uh, make the most. How did, how, how, how did you like it, man? I, I, I didn't mind it. I was produced by um, <laughs> Camper. They call me Camper. Um, I didn't mind it. It was cool. Like It, it was very on brand, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I like this thing where they're doing, making her like collaborate with a bunch of new artists and stuff like that. They're, they're, yeah. they're giving her some more reach. I mean, she has reach as an artist, but like of course. Um, they're expanding that too for her. And so like I, I love the sound. Yeah, it, I wasn't mad at it. It wasn't like, oh my God, but you know, I'm not mad at it. It's good. Yeah, it was cool. I liked it too. Um, I think uh, to me, her only has one miss in her career, and that is so far, and that's the the slide remix which we talked about oh um, a couple gosh. weeks ago. That was a win. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Pop Smoke, R.I.P. to him. Love him. A Boogie, Chris Brown. What was that? It, 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 what was that? I'm, I'm still trying to figure it out, man. You know, like the, there are just some things that are so obviously label influenced, but those, those those label moves can really, for an artist like her who's come in with a certain brand and has delivered consistently, when you put her in that type of position, it's like, ah, what man. was that? <laughs> no, yeah, I had to go back in time because I remember um, when the remix dropped. <laughs> I just pulled up my Twitter and I literally said, what in the A&R hell is this? With like the, <laughs> with, with the gift of um, Caesar from Black Ink Crew, like when Scott's crying. Because I just remember going into work and I was like, this is so terrible. Like, like, I was egregious. like, where... where is Victoria Monet? Where is Ari Lennox? Yeah. Where, where is, um, what is it, Talia Park? Any other like Anyone. black indie or alternative kind of like sound would have blended perfectly with that. Mm-hmm. But the way in which a boogie with a hoodie oh, came no. on there, I no. said, Jesus, no. Jesus, mm. send send the meteor now. Like it's <laughs> <laughs> which <laughs> which is like so, so funny because like you know hers from like Vallejo like. Bay Area, yay area, you know, you feel me? So, like, I hear slide at least 20 <laughs> times a day, no matter where. Mm-hmm. It's been out, people lose their minds, getting hyphy. I've gotten hit by somebody's like dreads when it hits. I wear glasses, so obviously, mm. I feel like a way when he, like, you got them glasses on, girl. And I'm like, yeah. Um, <laughs> So for you to like ruin that song like no no dj in the bay will play the remix because it's like we will fight mm-hmm. I, it's yeah. so bad i literally had to look up synonyms for bad <laughs> it, it, <laughs> let me find one i i find i feel like it was um how do we how do i even pronounce nefarious iniquitous. oh man oh man it was dastardly wow yeah it was and so bad and like with that, and like, not not that I'm doubting her, or I think that like she's nervous, but I'm really interested in like what their plans are for her. Like we've been hearing about the debut album for like two years now. You know, we got the EPs that they turned into LPs. We've gotten the features. Like we see, you know, her with YBN Corday and her with Deontay Hitchcock and YG, and you know, the A Boogie Pop Smoke Chris Brown record, which wasn't that great. So it it really feels like they're taking their time, but. 
you know, it's it's tough because in a way you want to strike while the iron's hot and the iron has been hot for her for a period of time. But, you know, like fatigue and fans' impatience grows. And it's like, you know, I wonder if people are still checking for a debut album as, as much as they were, you know, maybe like a year ago, right. six months ago. Right. I don't know. I feel like people aren't too concerned. I mean, for me as a as a her her stand, I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm patient and I'm ready and whenever yeah. you want to give it to us, give it to us. And I think that they'll do a good enough job. You know, she's with the freaking the Grail, you know, RCA. They, yeah, they exactly. With, I mean, they've shown that they know what they're doing even with that, which is so weird why the slide remix even happened because come together happened and come together with Chris Brown and her is just like unbelievable. But yeah. anyways, that's an aside. We're over that. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, no, I think I trust I trust the hands that she's in so far as her yeah. career and the marketing and the label and everything for them to like, even if, quote unquote, the hype goes away a little bit, like for them mm-hmm. to build it back up for her debut album. So, yeah, uh, I think they're trying to push her long term into like the Lauren Lane. Yeah. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. But we also have to remember, like her mentor is Alicia Keys. True. Mm-hmm. Like she has been under like Alicia's arm for like since she was 12 years old I believe right so mm-hmm. has been mm-hmm, like has been developed and been in A&R for like a decade so I always like encourage female artists to wait because like compared to the rollout that happened with like SZA's control mm-hmm. and the fact that they put her on too many tours they put her on too many festivals i mean she was getting shots in the throat right Mm -hmm. because she was singing those notes and it wasn't formally trained Mm -hmm. and i don't remember like the article but they were like yeah they really had to like pull her off because she was getting permanent vocal damage i like someone can fact check me i think she may actually have permanent vocal damage Mm -hmm. so it's like what happens Mm -hmm. like when we try to like get this classic album or like get that album out in correlation to like the hype and then we Mm -hmm. need like permanent lasting effects yeah because it's like you put out that classic album and then you got to tour that for for, like SZA was touring control for like what two years so Mm -hmm. you know her her with with the music she makes and how she's a festival darling like she would have so much to do after classic album she's had a lot to do even prior to putting out like a true debut so yeah yeah that's that's definitely something to consider um and and r&b also just moves differently like i think people look at r&b like rap like oh no nah, like you gotta you gotta drop every six months because you know you gotta stay relevant and it's like no r&b music is it's 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 timeless you know you're looking to create timeless music instead of making music for the moment so yeah that'll be interesting and r&b this is a great transition uh this week we got this past week, I would say we got our best uh, IG live battle between uh, Neo and Jonathan Austin. So one, shout, shout out to them for blessing us with that. I think it was amazing because me, I, I was a Neo stan as a kid. So I knew everything he was playing. Like I was like, I was hoping he would play certain deep cuts, even though like they might not have went over like with the with the popular crowd, but they were for me. And then Jonta, I was familiar with Jonte. because of work with Jonte. Sorry, um, I was listening to the Joe Budden podcast, and he was calling him Jonta. So now Jonta's in my head. Um, but Jonte, his work with Bow Wow, his work with Rick Ross. Um, but I think a lot of people learned like, yo, this guy is a cornerstone for classic music that we'd been listening to our whole childhood and we didn't you know we didn't know because we weren't checking credits like mary records Aaliyah records mariah carey records chris brown records trey songs records and so just hearing that it's like damn and and, and it kind of got me thinking and, and i, I do want to get into the battle but i want to ask you well kind of just start this discussion first like neo had the 
luxury of being like, when in doubt, I'm just going to play one of my own records. Jonte mm-hmm. had the luxury of, yeah, I've been on my own records, but the ones that are bigger and the ones that are going to go over in this competition are the Chris Brown, the Aaliyahs, the Mary J. Blige's. So for me, it's almost like in, in this type of competition, it's more of a benefit to be one of the behind the scenes songwriters like Jonte, because like Neo, he's, he's obviously an artist first and he's had some huge records in his career, but a lot of them he ended up saving for himself. And I think that messed up the the um the, the effect that they would have like Jonte would put on a Mary record and everyone's like oh or an Aaliyah record because you know they've just been with us and we, everyone loves Aaliyah so it was just fascinating thinking about that because Neo's definitely had a more successful career but in this type of arena it's like I don't know man uh, and I, I I was very unpopular I said he won everyone disagreed with me my mentions were on fire what um, I, I so agree if you guys, you. you guys want to get at me go ahead wait 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 you do you guys think Neo won Personally, yes. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, 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 no. Let, let's run the tape back. Let's run the. You you stated, but in front of God and His disciples, that Neo won that battle. Yeah, sir. Okay, no, Ooh, no, no, no. I got you. I'm gonna have to pray. I'm, I got I'm gonna have you, to pray for you, Jesus. Okay, let me just let me just give you a few off the list, Armand. When you open it up, go ahead, go ahead. Aaliyah, miss you. Mariah Carey mm. like that. Bryson Tiller mm-hmm. don't because the sample was from a song that he produced. Mm-hmm. Genuine Stingy. Chris Brown, mm-hmm. yo. Mariah Carey, don't forget about us. Tony Braxton, just be a man about it. Bow Wow and Chris Brown. I mean, uh, CB, uh, yeah, shorty like mine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Trey Songs, Need a Girl. Tyrese, Sweet Lady. Bow Wow mm-hmm. Sierra, like you. Chris Brown, with you. Mariah Carey, mm-hmm. shake it off. Trey Songs, can't help but wait. Aaliyah, don't, I don't want to. Aaliyah, mm-hmm. come over. Chris Brown, popping. Mary J, be without you. Yeah. Lastly, Mariah Carey, we belong together. You said you was gonna give me a few. It's not like you gave me the whole list, bro. I did give you the whole list. I'll, <laughs> I'll do the, I'll, I, because I had to. There was I can't just pick and choose. I'll give right, people the right, Neo right. one. Marcus Houston, that girl. I can give him off the top of my head. Sure. Nah, I got the list. So let's not let's let's make sure we got him. Rihanna, unfaithful. Yeah. Carrie Hilson knocks you down, which he was on. Neo, J. Fo- uh, Jamie Foxx, uh, got her own. Mac, uh, there's a Mac Wilds joint. I forget which one it was. Neo and uh, Stay With Me, mm-hmm. Jennifer Hudson, Spotlight. Neo, Do You, Plies, Bust It Baby. Neo, Go On Girl, Fab Neo, Make Me Better. Jeezy Neo, Leave You Alone. Neo, So Sick. Rihanna take a bow. Neo sexy love. Beyonce flaws and all. Neo miss independent. Mm-hmm. Neo mirror. Mar- Mario let me love you. And Beyonce irreplaceable. Mm-hmm. Mary J. Blige, Be Without You is the greatest, the number one selling R&B song of all time. Mm-hmm. What are you saying? Uh-huh. Like, like, well, see, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm letting you finish till t- I get my points off. Go ahead. Oh, Neo, here's the thing. Neo like Jonte is his old head, so mm. there's that. Like, yeah. So he's not gonna. Jonte also admitted though that he felt threatened by Neo's pen at certain points, and he had to elevate his the, pen. Yeah, because he's the young guy coming up, looking to yeah. take his spot. So the old. Okay. He, he had to stay sharp. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes the student becomes a, the teacher and vice no, versa. You know what I'm saying? Not in this case. No. <laughs> hey man. Also, and to, to your point about "Be Without You" being the best-selling record. Sure, this is a songwriting battle, though. 
Yes. I'm, oh, great. I'm, I'm, I'm personally gauging the writing of the songs. I, I don't care about the commercial success, me personally. H- hold on. Did you just say the songwriting for Be Without You is not iconic? No, 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 no. I'm just saying I'm not thinking about the sales. I'm not thinking about the sales. I like that's not factoring into my thing. And I think that's the issue with these IG live battles is the the popularity and the impact of pulling out a Mary record or an Aaliyah record. People are going to go crazy for the name. Now, I understand uh, us here, we're, we're, we're kind of able to look aside of, of, of the numbers and just focus on the actual writing. But I think a lot of people were going at me for my take because they were more focused on who was on the records and 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 what the records ended up becoming sales wise and popularity wise jante showed range i will say this jante had range and the thing about neo which for me from the battle was a little bit disappointing is that like i wanted neo to i didn't i wanted neo to dig into like we know neo as an artist and i didn't want him to lean on his catalog as an artist to showcase his songwriting Mm -hmm. because it's like we okay neo we know like jante is also an artist but jante has really carved a space in the songwriting lane, but Neil's also a great songwriter. He has Let Me Love You, has Irreplaceable, Take A Bow, Unfaithful, all these songs. I mm-hmm. thought he had a more extensive catalog than that as a songwriter solely. And so mm. I feel like for me, in a bit, it, it felt like we were comparing like, it was still comparing apples to apples, but it was like comparing a certain type of apple to like another type of apple. And it's kind of mm-hmm. like, uh, they kind of do different things in a way. Um, because Neo was playing stuff as an artist. Like, of course, Jante yeah. could have pulled out the stuff that he wrote for his artistry, but like, I don't know. I just felt like it, I wanted Neo to be like, not nah, like, this is me as a songwriter. Y'all gonna see my pen. And we saw mm-hmm. it from the songs he had, but it, it, in a certain way, like it didn't hit because Jante was showing like, oh, that song that you were singing you know, all the words to, I wrote that. And this other mm-hmm. song, I wrote that. This other mm-hmm. song, I wrote that. And Fuck. this one too, that your mama and granddaddy and them was singing too. So it's like, that for me was enough to say like no 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 no. So like I wasn't necessarily like looking at the commercial success, but I'm like these are hits after hit after hit after hit, undeniable hits. Like mm-hmm. and you can say that I know, yeah. but so that's what for me was the most shocking thing. Like Neil was playing deep cuts. Yeah, he was playing deep cuts, and I'm like Neil, you can't be playing deep cuts out here because then Flaws for me and all. <laughs> right. That was, was, was a great one to play though. But he, I I, I enjoyed that. But you're a Neil stan. I am. No, no, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm never going to like, like I'm, I'm doing my best to kind of separate that. And that's kind of why I was really trying to focus on the writing of the records. Cause if you play sexy love, it doesn't matter what, what plays against it. Like I'm always going to like sexy love better. And that's just me personally. He played so that's the way to that. Yeah. I, I think sexy love is a better song personally. <laughs> um, do, do you guys disagree? Can't help but No, no, no. I, I agree. Sexy love is probably bigger. Okay. I, right. Nope. I'm sorry. Push back. Can't help but wait. Will be number one in my book. Okay. Uh, Explain. Right, so Show yeah. your work. Show your work. Yeah, yeah. Where you go? Oh. Yeah, I'm saying. Show your work, Taylor. <laughs> Look, <laughs> I am sorry, y'all. I am not the biggest neo fan, so like I'm also very aware mm. of like my biases. So like I will say it first before I go into like any analysis. But mm-hmm. I think what I enjoyed. Um, from like all of these battles right now is that we're able to have these type of cultural like conversation and discussions because yes. like even Jonte said on like his live interview with OK Player like shout out to Robin um, is that a lot of people didn't know who he was right mm-hmm. like a lot of people um, kind of to your point 
um, would think about these mainstream hits, associate with the, with the artist, and then never look mm-hmm. at like the songwriter, right? We were able to see how this man for decades, right, from like when we were born, maybe your parents were fornicated to it, depending on like how these Gen Z <laughs> listeners are, um, to now. Like you grew up with these songs, like these were the songs for like your first crush, your first relationship, mm-hmm. your first love, mm-hmm. your first everything. So yes, like there is that kind of like nostalgia kind of like persuades like critical discussions and conversations. And we have to be mindful of that with both of the two artists. But mm-hmm. I said that like John Tay won because I wish there was a rule in these Instagram live battles about playing your own tracks because to me it kind of feels like a get out of free jail card not mm-hmm. saying that neo's tracks like aren't good so sick 106 in park classic right mm-hmm. played the crap out of that on like video to mp3.com right probably gave mm-hmm. myself like a, a virus on LimeWire. Yeah. but worth it i would have look was it my mom would probably says otherwise <laughs> but but I just w- kind of like would like to see the battle again, but without Neo using his own songs. Yeah, my point exactly. No, that's that's completely fair. I agree. He definitely did pull out the the the, the Neo bag of too much too much, and I think I think he, he was feeling the pressure. I, I don't know if he knew how how hard Jonte was going to go with the records he played because Neo starting out he played like the Marcus Houston record he wrote, pulling out the Mac Wilds record, like the, the Beyonce deep cut, like you said. And I think he started to feel the pressure and see the comments where people like, yo, Mary, Mariah, Leah. And it's like, all right, well now I got to get in my bag and just pull, pull out the hits. Like I, I, I'm not mad at anyone who feels Jonte won. I just personally feel like Neil won. How can you say um, that though, Armand? How can you say that? Cause yeah, I'm thinking does. about the writing. I'm, I'm no. thinking about the writing, the writing of the records, the no. actual, Co- composition of the records, not Don't the impact, the not, not the shock hits. value. No, they're hits. They're and Neil pulled out hits too. This here's the thing: they were coming from an era too. Jonte's from an era where like didn't any nothing just flew. Like you couldn't put out anything. Whereas like today you can put out anything and it could go right. You but, know what I'm saying like Vanilla Ice would like to say something to, to that point, bro. Hey, hey, he just put something out. It, it, Sir, it went crazy. I'm, sir, I'm just saying. I'm sir, just saying. Sir, I'm just saying. I'm there's just an saying. exception to every rule, but I'm for the majority, saying. for serious conversation, this, he oh, now we're having a serious conversation. We've been hey, this, conversation. this has always been serious, but I want all of us, while we are here in the place of God, to understand Manny Fresh, right? I'm going to need y'all to stop talking mess about Manny Fresh versus Scott Storch because mm. that battle showed a lot of y'all the topics that we've discussed at hand that you were focusing on the big billboard charting hits than the artist contributions to the genre mm. as a whole and their overall legacy and impact. I just wanted to be on the record to say mm. who had the greatest contributions to the genre as a whole. Not going to pull out the race card, but rest your case on that main fresh there it is there and then it's a good it's a good transition good transition uh manny fresh and scott storch oh wait did nick did you have a point i'm sorry no not really um i thought scott storch won i i respect and um recognize the contributions of manny fresh so because i obviously i'm a musician i'm a songwriter i like know this stuff about them but um so i obviously respect manny fresh catalog but i think scott storch won this 
Yeah, it's tough. And I mean, we talked about this um, last week, I believe, and it's just been something people have been generally been talking about when it comes to a beat battle. You really like I really think you just need to play the beats like, you know, Scott was playing things that he just might have played keys on or something, which is fine. If you, if you contribute to the record, play the record. But hearing the lyrics and knowing the, the artist who's on it, that's I feel like that's always going to trump you actually listening to the real beat. So it's 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 a difficult arena to have these type of conversations. And I, I enjoyed it. That was probably my third favorite because I really like the boy one, the hit boy one. If I had to pick a winner, I would probably also go with Scott, but no disrespect to Manny Fresh. He 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 played some stuff I forgot he was on, and I really enjoyed those records. And I think it was fun. And it was good to see the mutual respect there, just like in, in the Neo Jonte uh, battle. Um, but yeah, I would I would go with Scott too personally. I'm sorry, Taylor. Um baby it's first. All right, y'all, y- y'all just some oh. Yankees. It's whatever. Uh, 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 oh, uh, uh, wow. I know you did not. <laughs> oh my god. Sounds real coastal in here, baby. Oh, it's whatever. Anyway, we just uh, gonna, we're going to go ahead and uh her third eye is open. <laughs> Babyface Teddy Riley. Uh that one's coming up. Who are you guys predicting is going to take that? Well, base it's coming up. We're recording this early, y'all, so you know. But it's supposed to be Sunday. Uh, April mm-hmm. uh, April fifth. This mm-hmm. is going to be earth shattering. I mean, Neo and Jante at one point I think they had eighty k on there. This yeah. I think might surpass that. Like this might go well above that because the old heads are going to come out. Mm-hmm. Um, I I feel like Teddy is the. This is weird to say because he's Teddy, but he's mm-hmm. the underdog in this situation because mm-hmm. of the sheer hits. Um, an artist that Babyface has worked with over like a thirty-year period. Mm-hmm. Um, but Teddy's no, no, like he's no like sleeper in this. Really, he's not a sleeper, but I think he has the slight, slight underhand. So mm-hmm. it's gonna be really dope to see how Teddy crafts his overall curation of the records that he presents. Right? Yeah. Same with Babyface too, but Babyface got monster hits. I, I, in these type of situations, I think it's actually almost better to be the lesser known person, like Jonte, for example. Yeah. Neil coming in, people knew he was going to play So Sick, Do You, Irreplaceable, uh, everything else he's written, Let Me Love You, Unfaithful. Jonte, it was like, one, a lot of people didn't know his name, and then they didn't know the extent of his catalog. You know, same here. Babyface, he's got stuff that everyone knows. I think he's a... I want to say he's a more recognizable name and that's no disrespect to, to Teddy whatsoever. But I think because Teddy might be coming in with that lesser known underdog type of status, and that's just relatively to Babyface, I think he he could, you know, uh, end up having the upper hand if he pulls out some stuff that people didn't know he was involved with. So yeah, it's cool. It's it's really cool. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, lastly, for all the TikTokers, for everyone who's getting active in their homes, Drake blessed us with the 2C slide. Um, Oh my! Oh my! Well, let's speak on it, Taylor. Come on, come on. Show your work. I'm trying to, you know, Not be respectful. Not the side. Go ahead. <laughs> she has I'm a ducky side. I look. If y'all can see me at my house right now, I went and looked at my Bible and then grabbed a glass of wine. I just. <laughs> I used to be a Drake stan. Everyone, when I got my mm. first car, its nickname was Ovio. The same day mm. I got it, I was dressed as a girl from Hotline Bling. I mean, was real faithful, right? Mm. 
kind of like when Andre 3000 like said in a recent interview, I feel like I can't do hip hop because like it's a young man's game, right? Um, mm. Which I which I refute that because Jay Z's 444, Pusha T, I think um, our OGs get better like when they mature, kind of like a good wine. Yeah. But there is this point where I see Drake releasing songs appealing to TikTok, which like everybody's doing that that's where the industry is moving we know rap is changing as a genre to be in more alignment with like short um songs that are like can be danceable and go on the charts i understand that like that is what the industry is pushing towards and he filmed it in his house to like connect with people who were stuck at home in quarantine but Mm -hmm. like there becomes a time for me where it's like who told you to release this? Like, I want to be like, who in the camp outside of thinking about like, this is going to go very well on streaming. This is going to do like really well. It's going to capitalize people. You're still going to have like Gen Z people who think that you're old. Like what happened at Camp Flognaw, like listen to Mm. your music and maybe they'll go back into the archives into like the EPs and everything. But I think as someone who's been rocking with him, it's kind of like, I want to see you mature. And for me, this wasn't a signal of maturity. Right. Mm. So as I mature, I also want my artists to grow with me. Mm. Um, yes, I love Meg the Stallion Savage because I am a hot girl. I'm from Texas. Her and I are the same age. I'm coming up to her and wait, you know. But <laughs> Drake, I, I I just expect more of you. Just like mm. I expect more of like a J. Cole or a Kendrick or any rapper who came from the blog era. Now you have young rappers considering you and classifying you as their OG instead of like a Jay Z or a Nas, which happens like because hip hop's about to turn fifty. So I need you to start maturing and put out better music. Mm. There it is, Nick. I was listening again just now, muting myself. Mm. Um, I agree with everything you're saying, Taylor. However, I just feel like I I get. We all get it, right? I think we all mm-hmm. get it why he did it. And mm-hmm. I think certain OGs, or quote-unquote OGs, Drake's an OG because of just, I think, his length in the game, like, not because of his age, per se. Yeah, he's 33. Um, right. And he, he's, because he's not old. That's not old. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, Jay was still releasing big hitters, you know, because he, he started at, like, 26. But the point mm-hmm. is, I think, with this, is that some people, I think, have an easier time going maturing into OG hood. Mm-hmm. And I think others have like a little bit of like they have to let like, they don't want to let it go. Mm-hmm. And I think that that flogna situation I think that I think that messed with him. It did. Mm-hmm. I think that messed with mm-hmm. him, you know what I'm saying? It was like he's Drake. Like I don't think he's probably hasn't I don't know if he's ever been booed off of a stage but like that don't happen to icons, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like they don't get booed off of nothing. Like it's just unless they say something crazy, you know what I'm saying? Like not for right. doing their music. And so I think like my point is that I think that he took that as like, I need to make sure that this generation I hit with this generation as well. Mm. And so I think that obviously, as we said on the last episode, Armand, like, you know, we were talking about music streaming has gone down over this time. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a way for him to be a part of the conversation with the younger people, too. And yeah. so not that I necessarily think that his music caters to them because I don't think it ever will. He's 30 something mm-hmm. years old. The stuff he speaks on was not going to cater to a 18 to 21 year old unless they're extremely mature. Um, 
But I think I think he is growing. I think he's just one of those artists who like can play everywhere in a commercial stance. So mm. I feel like yeah. it's just a it's a thing that's gonna come and go, and I don't think we should necessarily be too hard on him for it. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, um, I, I I think a lot of definitely a lot of valid points made. Um, it wasn't like an amazing song. I'll, I'll say that. Um, I've definitely been learning the dance. Um, it, I enjoyed watching the music video, seeing his house. Um, and yeah, I mean, I've, I've been seeing just a lot of the conversation that we, that we had here and it's been, you know, people questioning why fans take issue with Drake having fun. Like this is a fun song. This isn't anything complex. He's not rapping about his son or his, his, his insecurities. Like this is a fun song that's literally just to like to dance to and people are like oh well well why can't why can't he make that like young jeezy just put out a video of him shopping in some store and dancing and doing silly stuff and people like killed him for that and it's like yeah even if you're you're older like why why can't you have fun with with the music you make it's not like and even if two c slide is the is the lead single for drake's uh, upcoming album that was just announced um just a couple weeks ago he gave us chicago freestyle and and when to say when and those were more lyrical deep cut you know, introspective type stuff. So he, he, he is giving us the Drake rap that we would look for at his age. And this was just that this was different. And, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, if like Kendrick Lamar did this or J Cole did this, I might look at it a lot more differently. And I'm, I'm a huge Kendrick fan. I'm a huge J Cole fan, but I think just with Drake, just with what, what his career has been, you know, on Degrassi, his character was a clown. Like he's been a clown throughout his, his whole career. Like he's always, had a fun song, <laughs> hot, Hotline Bling. Best best I never had was a fun song to me, and that ended up being a colossal hit. Uh, God's Plan is, is a fun song. So, like, he he's always kind of had them in his pocket. So it, it's it's not a weird move for me. Like, I get it, you know, especially with TikTok being what it is now. Like, a, as a business move, it's genius, and it's capitalizing off this 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 new viral trend. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how how it goes. Um, it's, it's already doing crazy streaming numbers. And I, I'm, I'm not a numbers guy, but yeah, it was, uh, it's definitely created some, some commotion, but that's, that's Drake. I mean, he, he could, he could breathe on IG live and some commotion would, would be caused. So, all right. Well, Taylor doesn't like 2C slide. That's, that's fair. You know, we can, we can embrace our differences. Um, Nick, what you sipping on, bro? Oh, well. I am sipping on a little bit of peppermint tea. Peppermint tea is actually really good. I like it. It smells the room really nicely, you know, like it's antibacterial. It relieves um, tension headaches. I've never had a tension headache. I had to look this up. Y'all ever had mm-hmm. a tension headache? That I had. It sounds like something I've had. Oof, no, Lord. It doesn't sound like something I ever want. But anyways, peppermint tea can help relieve uh, the pain from tension headaches. So if that happens to y'all, anyone out there listening. Try some peppermint tea. It's also, of course, good for fresh breath because halitosis should be a misdemeanor. But anyways, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so my half and half for today, this week is SoundCloud gives away 15 million worth of creator support during COVID-19 pandemic by Murray Stassen. This is off of musicbusinessworldwide.com. Um, so for those who don't know, SoundCloud is taking a huge step in trying to aid um, music creators in this really, really tough time. 
um, for just everyone, but especially, you know, for music creators. And so mm-hmm. actually the platform has experienced about a 50% surge in uploads in this past month alone, which is really good. You know, this shows that people are creating and have a lot to say and are releasing content. Um, so uh, last month, SoundCloud unveiled a number of benefits to assist the community. Um, it includes a 50% uh, discount on a subscription to SoundCloud Pro Unlimited and a partnership with Twitch. Uh, which is also really cool. So a few of the initiatives that they have is that there is now a direct fan support button for all the creators. Um, so as a part of the new uh, launch, as well as there's this new distribution and marketing service called Repost by SoundCloud. Um, so they also have weekly office hours for with the artist relations team. So basically you can go on and talk to artist relations people from SoundCloud, which is an unbelievable resource. Like people don't have access to artist relations people. Um, as well as $5 million in free promotional support on SoundCloud. Um, the company is giving away its promote on SoundCloud inventory for the remainder of 2020. So basically, for those who don't know, the way ad sales works is that like they have a certain allotment of ads that they're going to you know solicit to be sold to different partners and different companies. So they're basically giving all of that away and allowing up-and-coming artists to take those ad spots and promote their stuff on the platform, which is, I mean... They're literally just like a lot of platforms. That's how they make money. They're literally saying like we're giving it back to y'all. So um, this is really really cool, um, especially five million dollars worth of that. I know SoundCloud could use five million dollars. Um, but <laughs> Repost is a for those who don't know, Repost is a new marketing and distribution service for them. It allows independent artists who want to take their career to the next level. This is what they're saying. So uh, they can access professional marketing and monetization services plus industry leading distribution features. Um, it's, it's new, it's up and coming. I was looking for more information on it. So that's really all that they have, but it's going to be, it's going to be a good thing for us. I'm glad that they're doing this. Um, they also, the other 10 million is spent on an artist accelerator program to support independent creators career growth. They keep it very general cause I think they still figured it out to be honest, yeah. but, um, yeah, that's, that's good. This is good to hear that, you know, people are trying to make moves or platforms are taking things into their own hands to say, look, let's help in whatever way that we can. Cause everybody's taking losses right now. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's my half and half for this week, y'all. Awesome. Awesome. Good cut, man. Let's jump into the employee of the week. I want to give a big shout out to my guy, Chris Jamel. Yes. <laughs> so uh, Chris Jamel is a fellow journalist. He is the founder of the Lifestyle NYC. It is a publication uh, specifically focused on interviewing super dope people and not just uh, fellow journalists or music artists, but he's interviewed people in the food industry and in the event planning industry. Um, he's previously uh, freelance for Revolt and Mass Appeal. Uh, some of my favorite work from him, uh, he had a dope interview with Ye- with both Yo Phillips and Donna Claire Chessman from DJ Booth. Also had a dope interview with uh, Jan Sneed. That's my homie. I interviewed her uh, last year. And Carl Lamar, he's a hip hop editor at Billboard. I actually interviewed Chris myself on my YouTube channel recently. We had a really quality uh, hour conversation over some Jameson, talking about you know his path through the industry, talking about Jay-Z and Drake and the New York hip-hop scene as a whole. Um, really dope guy. We're going to work together some more in the future. So one more time, shout out to our employee of the week, Chris Jamel. Yeah. yeah. Chris. yeah Chris. All right. Let us slide. The best song wasn't the single. Cool. All right, um, so this week's slides. Uh, Nick, you want to start us off? Yeah, I'm super excited about this slide. I got, I love this dude. Braxton Cook, all that I want off his new project that just released, uh, I think it was on the 27th of March. This is all that I want. Braxton Cook, produced by Braxton Cook. 
Tabor Gable, Andrew Renfro, Hannah Montez, Curtis Nawasad. that one that was real dope braxton's voice is beautiful yeah i mean he's he's starting to do the singing thing he's a saxophonist for those who don't know he's a jazz saxophonist but he also produces and he's um just been singing a lot more which i love so taylor what you thought about that man that was smooth yeah 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 he's dope he's super dope i've seen him live several times um i really like i really like his sound um shout out braxton cook yo if you're listening i've I don't know. But if you listen, bro, uh, I love this song. <laughs> so, All what right. you got? Yeah, let's jump into Taylor's song. Taylor, what you got for us? Man, I got Savior um, by Siri. She's a bomb uh, female rapper out here in the Bay. Yeah. 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 Hey. This is the studio. Black room. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. Are, are, are you mad? Hey. You got a new bitch now. I, but she ain't nothing like me. Pull up on a nigga and I got my own weight. On some independent shit. I don't need it. Your shit, no. Hey. You got a new bitch now. I, but she ain't nothing like me. Fresh little thing. Pull up in a white tee. While everybody dressed all these niggas on me. I, yeah. Living my best life. Huh. All my worst behavior, a savage. He's so good, Raider. Your nigga chose up, now I'm his favorite. Yeah. Uh, living my best life, hey. All my worst behavior, a savage. He's so good, Raider. Your nigga chose up, now I'm his favorite. Yeah. Yeah, it ain't my fault that I'm that bitch. Yeah, it ain't my fault I'm getting rich. Only focus on my motherfucking chips. If you ain't talking bands, then you can hit the exit. Hey, remember them days where I was stressing. Now all I'm focused on is finessing. All these niggas and some groupies all up in my section. Me and my bitches going crazy. Yeah, we steady flexing. Hey, ha. So he want to be on my team now. Hey, he want to buy me a big ring now. Hey, but I don't need a little baby. Wow, <laughs> that record was dope. I definitely heard the Cali in that. Fire West Coast. That was dope. Yay area. Yeah. So you so you're from Texas, but you claim the Yay area now? No, 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 no. That, that will get me shot. I am proudly <laughs> from Texas. I am proudly from Texas. Dallas 214-469-972. Okay. Let's not get it twisted. But 
I really love like the indie rap scene that's coming out of the Bay right now. Dope. And Siri always like sells out every single showcase. Oh, dope. Mm. You got to send me some more, uh, some other artists. That's, I really like that. That was nice. Reminds I got you. Reminds me of home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how, long, how, how long have you been living out in the Bay? I've been out in the Bay for two years and I like, I'm really blessed to be a part of like the creative scenes out here because mm-hmm. like, if you know, like regional hip hop is always like the last to get its due in publication. So honored to be like working in solidarity with a lot of folks trying to get coverage. Yes. Mm, we yes. love that. Yes. Okay. All awesome. right, Armand, what awesome. you got, bro? Yeah. I brought uh, my theme song, the Side Nigga Anthem by <laughs> Deontay Hitchcock, produced oh, by Brandon Phillips Taylor. Let's get into it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That was. Armand. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness. Is there something hey, man. you want to tell the class, Armand? Um, you know, I'm just getting a lot more in touch with myself and my role in, in people's lives. Um, and I'm, I'm a proud side nigga. So yeah, oh, yeah that's, that's really all it is. You know, I'm um, happy for your representation. Yeah. I, th- I think that they don't get enough of the recognition. It's always, Oh, the boyfriend or oh, the husband, but you know, the, the side nigga needs to be celebrated. So that's why we're here. But oh, yeah, I, <laughs> I really love Deontay's music, man. Um, he's, he's an Atlanta rapper. Um, I really got familiar with him probably around last year. He dropped uh, just a sample too that had a song with her called Feelings, which I really liked. And then he got his big look on being on the Revenge of the Dreamers 3 project that dropped in July. But um, yeah, he's very, very soulful. He creates that vibe. You know, everyone loves the word vibe, but he's definitely like a vibe rapper. And like there's a slight melody to the way he raps. Like it's like it's like quarter singing, like 75% rap. Yeah. And so like I feel like once he like really catches catches one, like he, he he can have a record that you know becomes becomes a hit, kind of like an on chill type. Um, he works really well with with R and B artists, um, and he's got a song with with Gold Link that I really really like. I can't think of the name right now, but yeah, super super dope record. And like I said, I I just felt it in my soul. So shout out to Deontay for that. Um, of course, ladies and gentlemen, the Slide Deck playlist, Stay Busy Slide Deck playlist is on all platforms. These songs will be added. If you want to send us some slides, you know what to do. Hit us on the IG and Twitter at Stay Busy Pod. Hit the DMs. You can also email us at staybusypod at gmail.com. 
Um, but yeah, let's jump into the board meeting, man. Yeah, you got ready? Oh yeah, we do this. Cool. So, like I said, we have the hot girl journalist here, and we want you guys to get to know her and all she's contributed and the things that that she thinks about. Um, so let's um let's jump jump right right into it. So when did you first pick up the pen, the 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 proverbial pen, and decide to write anything? And and was it particularly journalism? Were you like songwriting? Were you doing poetry? Like how'd you how'd you really get into this? Yeah, so I have a very untraditional um, entry into freelancing. So when I was an undergrad, I was like the very stereotypical like student organizer on campus that was always mm-hmm. like <laughs> there talking about like racial justice or environmental justice. And at the time, um, I was an abortion rights organizer in West Texas, and wow. we were um, fighting um, for abortion access. Uh, if anybody is like familiar. Um, in politics, it was like the whole Women's Health Supreme Court case. Um, so I was like really active in the movement. I like wrote an amicus brief to the uh, Supreme Court of the United States um, on behalf of this fellowship I was a part of. And to like get more attention to what was going on in Texas, I pitched an op-ed to Glamour about like what was going on on campus. Um, so for all of us who have like attended universities like in rural areas like we already know there's like less resources less accesses um but for like my institution um there was an increase in like female identity female identified students like um giving themselves abortions in the dorm room and like having to be admitted to the hospital um so i kind of wrote about that um and that was kind of my entry into like politics journalism. Um, so mm. if you look like way back in the archives, all of my stuff is like news and politics beats. Um, I was like contributing to Teen Vogue's vertical for like over a year and a half. Um, but there becomes like a point in time in someone's life where you get really tired about writing about white supremacy, um, <laughs> <laughs> which I tweeted as like, somebody please give me something outside of news and politics. Like I'm just getting burnt. Um, and Desiree at Vibe, shout out to my girl. Uh, she was like, yo, like, do you want to write like an album review for Vibe? And I was like, let me have it. To this day, I do not want to read it. Cause like I sent it to my friends who were like music journalists and they're like, this was a good first attempt. You can do better. Like, and they gave me critique, critique and feedback. So now I'm like, probably being able to claim being like a music journalist because oof, that that <laughs> first piece was not that hot y'all mm. okay um yeah yes yes <laughs> all about the growth i i don't want to read any of my old stuff either so I, I i totally get that um and so from there uh, that first album review now you've got bylines all over so did, did, did that kind of create a spark within you to do to do more music writing even if you know the first article didn't go as you might have hoped yeah i think it's because like i'm a leo everyone i'm very Mm. proud to be a leo we need appropriate accurate representation um so if anybody like tells me like yo i know you can do better it's kind of like um if you get your like butt beat and like a battle rap like you put a good front but i know you can do better right so um when i heard that i was like okay say less right so i was just taking any opportunity to like write about music. I kind of felt like I was training in Creed. So like I would come home um, 
I would go uh, pitch and then I would go read like old um, like XXLs and Source and Vibe. And then I would go and like listen to music podcasts. Like um, what is the one with Cole on Spotify? I forget what it was, but like just go and like into music journalism archives. Right. I was just like soaking mm-hmm. it up because I was like, I want to be able to go toe to toe. Um, and when I was able to get that like pitchfork byline, I was like, all right, say less. My growth is there, but now I just got to do better. Mm. So one thing that I've kind of experienced as a writer, like I it's tough for me to write if I'm not inspired. Um, mm-hmm. it, it just, it doesn't feel right. I, I hate forcing it. But the thing about writing is you have to do it and do it a lot to get better. And even if you don't feel good about what you're, what you're doing, like you still just have to do it. So how, how do you kind of balance being inspired and being excited about what you're doing, but then also like being consistent and understanding, like you got to pay the bills and the freelance checks and all that. Like, how, how do you strike that balance? Yeah, I think I was telling my friend this the other day. I said so much of the writing process is also not writing, mm-hmm. right? Like, as you said, you cannot force a piece out. If you force a piece out, when you're reading it and going through the editing process, you're just going to be like, this is bad. I don't want my name associated with this, but I need this check. So for me, at the same time, I would very much communicate to editors like, hey, I'm going to need an extension on this because right now, if I turn something in, it's not going to be good. And when we turn in a bad copy, you're already in there for weeks trying to make it better. Mm-hmm. So I think um, as someone who's like getting a little bit of seasoning in this game, I'm very much aware of like, hey, I can make this deadline. Hey, I'm going to need some more time for this. Or um, at times when I get commissions, I'll be like, I'm not the best journalist for this. Here's another person. Right. So I think that's a way in which you kind of like healthily grow in this industry and a journalist is like knowing your lane, your strengths, your weaknesses, and when you need to take some step back, because sometimes pieces take a longer amount of like research on an artist or a genre. And you don't want to rush something out because it's not like you can take back an article. Like you can't have an iOS press release and be like, I'm taking this out. It's in the Internet. Those are your words. You got to stand by them. Mm. Yeah. Definitely. Do you have a, a favorite piece that you've done or a piece that's like near and dear? Man. So um, the one that's published was the um, pitchfork review for Meg the Stallion's Fever. Mm-hmm. That, that one is really like deep in my wow. heart. Sheesh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. And then unpublished. I don't know if this will come out by the time this month, my first cover story is coming out with Melina Miltupis. So okay. I think that's going to be like definitely in my top five. Uh, yeah, sheesh. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we, look, we're in the presence of greatness today. Yeah, I mean, we, we like the cover story talk. We wow. like that. We, so I want to tell, I want you to change gears a little bit and tell us a little bit more about your upbringing, your growth. Like, you know, you spoke on it a little bit earlier when we were talking about Bill Withers, about, you know, waking up and listening to that sort of music. Like what was playing in your house? Tell, tell the people where you're from, so on and so forth what you envision for yourself as a career, like so on and so forth. Yeah. So um, the gag is everyone. Technically I was born in Sacramento, California. Um, Big old surprise, but Mm. I was raised, I was raised in Texas. Um, Both of my parents are like from rural Texas. My like grandfather was a farmer. My great grandfather were sharecroppers and cowboys. So like very much like 
country. Um, and because of like my upbringing, I think you can see it a lot in my writing, the way I like act on social media. It's because I really love like uplifting like the Southern United States um, because I went to grad school in Philadelphia and I was like adamantly trying to distance myself away from the South because like the South is seen as something that's like country and rural and hillbilly and a monolith and not as like seasons or polished as like living on like the East or the West Coast. Um, so in college, I kind of grew up with that like resentment. I started to internalize it. Um, now it's something that like I embrace and I like work towards. But I am a formally trained social worker. Um, contrary to popular belief, I'm not a full-time freelancer. And like I make that very aware of my like privilege and positionality in freelance journalism. I go to work every day as like a social worker with homeless youth in the Bay Area. We have like the highest um, socioeconomic inequality in the world. Um, so it, I joke that it's my Hannah Montana life for like by day, I'm like out in the yeah. field and then like by night, I'm like at a rap concert or a showcase or interviewing someone. Um, so yeah, it's been like very beautiful to blend both of the worlds. Cause in grad school, I was like, man, like if I'm getting all these bylines, cause I started freelance writing when I was an undergraduate. So yeah. I've been freelance writing since like my senior year of undergraduate through my Ivy League master's program now as I'm like a full-time social worker um and eventually I'm like making steps to transition into being a full-time freelancer and like taking the steps necessarily financially to do that um mm -hmm. but yeah like I've started to use writing as my form of social work practice which is hella funny because That's like deep. as I've started to do that I found other writers who used to be social workers and you mm -hmm. can kind of tell like yeah yeah um what is it Brittany, no, or Brittany De La, my, I can't really pronounce words that best, I think it's because of my tongue, but like <laughs> Brittany's one, um, Feminista Jones is one, like mm. both formerly trained social workers who left the profession. So in like our catalog and work, you can kind of see like we still use our profession's words or way to like interpret like hip hop or sports or culture writing. So wow. there's like a small contingent of social worker writers out there. That's amazing. Mm. Yeah, you would never think that those two careers like connect. Yeah. Down here, Garmango again. <laughs> I I didn't do anything. I swear. I don't know why. Bro, I got money plugging. on your books, Armand. Free Armand. Thank you, thank you. I need it. I need it. This is street to call me back. Um, that's dope though. Like that you have that that foundation in in social work because the the freelancing thing can be more just a labor of love, uh, in, in a way, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's cool. That's real, real cool. And yeah, I, I think for a lot of us who just do this full time, like the fact that we have to make a living off of it, it, it makes it a bit more stressful and it makes it competitive and even kind of dog eat dog. Uh, have you experienced any any like weird interactions with writers or beef or possibly anyone kind of hating on you know what you've accomplished? <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, it's tea time with Taylor. I think, um, as I've kind of alluded, I understand, like, my privilege and positionality in freelancing. So what I've been telling people, especially during this Rona, like, if you are in a position where you freelance, but you, all, you also have a full-time job, it's now on us to stop pitching. Like, it's time for us mm. to like 
put our needs to the back, right? Because we, even though it's like, it's financial hard times, it's about to be recession. We still have a full-time job that pays our bills, right? Mm. So like I've had um, people be like, hey, um, I want to commission you for a piece. And I automatically refer a friend who's like a full-time freelancer. I'm like, nope, I'm good. Here you go. Please like hit them up. Um, I like try to be like, the patron saint of freelancers because it's like we have to pay those taxes healthcare benefits and everything um and like you know as mary j Blige, like no hateration in this dancery um but also like famous deck said like hoes mad so like (laughs) (laughs) you know to quote like two legends back to back there are people um who are, are uncomfortable like with the way in which I act on social media. Um, I've had like various DMs where it's like, you don't need to um, be like too open with your life or you don't need to like post these pictures of your body on the internet or like maybe you don't need to cuss as much. Um, And I am someone who very much pushes back on the idea of respectability politics, right? Mm -hmm. And here's the thing right now, like as um, the great Evie Annie says, right? Um, the authenticity in your online presence is what's going to keep and sustain your community, right? Mm. Your followers are making a decision to follow and invest in your career. Yes, they may come from an article or a speaking engagement or a guest appearance, but they stay for what you produce and you give, right? Exactly. So, there's, so there's no reason to like put a front on your Facebook, your LinkedIn, your Twitter, your Twitch, your newsletter, you, you should be consistent through all things. Like I tell people all the time, if you were to go ask my dad right now, if you were to pull up a tweet, like whatever I tweeted last night, whether it's safe to say on this podcast, whether it's not safe to say on this podcast, <laughs> he will tell you, yep, that's my daughter. That's, yep, she's always been this way. She's always acted this way. And mm. even like when I have to go on like press trips or like last year, I like covered like the BET awards. Um, people tell me you were as sweet and Southern as you are as the internet in person. And I'm like, yeah, like I keep the same energy. Like I'm not going to front. And sometimes people don't like that because I'm going to show up as my authentic on itself. And I think we need to kind of push back against these ideas of what, um a journalist and a content creator should look like and how they should act because like that it's going to be unauthentic and they're going to find out eventually so it might as well show up as yourself every single day Mm, i love that i really do love that that's something that i've been thinking about i'm sure nick you as an artist have been considering you know your presence as well and how it might align with your work i think a lot of people feel like they have to live up to a certain standard or be a certain person or I only have to, you know, spread positive messages or I I have to, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. So that's one thing I really enjoy about following you is like, I'll see you post some like super deep uh, content that you wrote about. And then you'll be talking about what you were tweeting about last night that we'll we'll keep off the pod. But I I know the tweet (laughs) you were referring to. I know the exact one. And I love the energy. I do. I do. This is why she's the hot girl journalist. Um, so just in terms of, in terms of music and in terms of the South, you've been bringing up the, the South a lot. How, how do you feel about the, the Southern music landscape in Texas and just, just in general? Man, you know, um, 
the reason why I've been tweeting so much about like the South and Southern hip hop is that I'm actually working on like a book proposal right now uh, okay. about like um, Dallas hip hop, especially and actually how like trap has uh, musical roots in like Dallas tradition of gangster rap. Um, mm-hmm. When I tweeted that at Atlanta Twitter, 404 Twitter came for me, like no one's business. Um, but y'all just gonna have to like wait for this book to come out and then y'all can come for me. But uh, if we look at like the history of hip hop, right? Like Pimp C, um, the whole entire collective of third coast rap had to fight to be respected right like they if we look at like the 90s like there's a reason why andre went off at the source awards like there is evident like (laughs) disrespect towards like my ogs right Mm -hmm. um which is ironic because now we see so much love for maxio cream we have so much love for meg the stallion travis scott i mean flo millie from alabama um mulatto Trina is finally getting her flowers, right? But it took 20 years for Trina to get her flowers, right? Um, So I've been talking a lot with, like, other, like, Black journalists from the South, like Brooklyn White at Essence, um, about trying to produce content right now that pays respect to, like, our OGs because they made it possible for Travis to be a Billboard charting world Mm -hmm. stadium artist, right? Like, Mm -hmm. Travis went and sampled Big Tuck in World, And I thought that was the wildest thing in the world because Big Tuck is like the grandfather of like Dallas hip hop. And I was like, yo, like why didn't anyone pick this up when they were doing reviews and publications? Because they lack the historical range to pull that sample and what that means when we're talking about like an interstate conversation, right? Um, mm-hmm. Because if you don't grow up in the South. You just think of it as a monolith when so many different regions sound different. Louisiana rap sounds different from Alabama than Mississippi, than Texas, than Florida. Like, but all of them were producing really great stuff that deserves to be written about and local publications who are like the first ones to document it, but also national. Cause we all know local acts disappear when they're not able to capitalize and sustain national attraction. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's what I try to do right now is like uplift a lot of Dallas people um, like Stony Blue, Blue the Great. They're like doing really good things like in like DJing. Um, but yeah, like I love the South, like the South shall rise again. And I've even heard it when I've interviewed like Southern acts like uh, the Outfit Texas for Passion of the West. When they're like, yeah, we don't like talking to journalists who aren't from here because anytime we're covered, something is missed or something is like not appropriate. Like I, the same can be said for like no Toby uh, Nuange. I interviewed him at like BET Awards where he was like, yeah, like people will mess up the spelling of my neighborhood. And like you can't mess up the spelling of someone's neighborhood. That's like if you misspelled like Brooklyn or the Bronx, right? right? no matter where you're at in the U.S., you can go and spell Brooklyn and the Bronx and you know hip-hop started there, right? So why is that respect not given for um, Shreveport or um, Dallas or, like, Mobile, Alabama? Like, there's so many other Southern capitals that, like, also deserve that respect because they really contributed a lot. Mm. Yeah. This is no, way it's... deeper than I expected. <laughs> this is <laughs> profound. Yeah. <laughs> I, I needed this. I'm about to look these names up for real. Oh, so uh, I need you, 
Oh, God, sorry. Yeah, what did you feel like was your like I made it moment? Do you, have you do you still do you feel like you're still waiting for that or like has it happened to you? Have there been any sort of milestones you're like, dang, like I belong here? <laughs> I think um, it's so funny that we're recording this in April. So last year around this time, uh, I was actually like on a flight back home to Texas, and uh, I. It was the time where I got my first like print piece where I could like go into a store and read it. And I was in the airport like, oh, let me see like if it's out. It was like an issue of Marie Claire. And I like walk into like those those stores in the airport where they like have like all the books and magazines or whatever. And I see it and I like go in there. I like go through like the magazine and I see my like name in print. It, when I tell you, I just start ugly crying at SFO International. Wow. I mean, I am like, <laughs> I am weeping. Like, people are like looking at me like, yo, like, did she miss she her miss flight? Her flight right? Yeah, like, like she get broken up going. with. <laughs> yeah, a lot of things. And they're like, yo, like, what's going on? And I remember I like showed the cashier. I was like, this is me. This is my name. And she's like, congratulations. That's still $10. And I was like, what but this is my she was like congratulations this is still ten dollars i was like okay cool um so i was like feeling myself on my like flight back home i was like i'm going to dallas i'm showing out right turn on my phone and i get all these texts and i'm assuming it's like for my friends who are like yo like we saw like the video you'll post of yourself crying on the internet that's so great but then like my friends like they send me a text i'm gonna cut and she's like bitch and i'm like like what do you I haven't texted you in like four hours. Like, what are you saying bitch about? So then I look on Twitter and Jack Joan literary arts put me as like a cultural critics of color on their index under pop culture. And I was like on the same column as like Jenna Wortham, Doreen St. Felix, like Hanif, Roxanne Gay, like Craig Jenkins, Wesley Morris. And guess what Mm. happens? I'm now crying outside of Dallas Lovefield Airport because <laughs> I like didn't even know that like people considered me like their peer that I could be listed next to them. Um, so that was definitely a moment where I was like, "Oh, like you in this? Like you in this? Like people regard you as a critic." Um, but a year since then, I like didn't get big headed. I was like, okay, how can I do better in 2020? Like I told myself after that, I was it's like, okay, in 2020, I'm gonna get a cover story. Now that I have a cover story this year, I'm like, okay, I need two cover stories. Like this is cute, but I think a lot of time in journalism, just like life, we reach we reach a point and we want to get stagnant, right? And then that's when people's egos take over the craft right i think Mm -hmm. that's like a lot of times in hip-hop when it's like you get that grammy so then rappers are like okay i'm the best i have this like sign from the industry that i am the best so you can't come at me you can't critique me because i have this grammy no that means you need to do better we can have a separate conversation about grammys and hip-hop and what that means because that's like a whole entire different like cultural type of john but I think like the moral of the story is like, even though I had that moment and I'm like coming up on like a year since that moment, I like have a very sensible bottle of like wine and Hennessy and I'm like going to get faded. 
please stay tuned on like my Twitter and my Instagram for the tweets and moments that will come for that that are probably not appropriate for the podcast. But it's going to be a fun time, everyone. April 13th, mark your calendars. Oh it's going to be big lit. It's going to be your own a party. Um, re ready, but yeah. Wow, that's awesome. That's yeah. Even through the tears, the, the public tears. That's that's an incredible moment. That's like it's like a movie. Like that sounds like something you would see in a movie. <laughs> that's amazing. That's what you. That's what you always hope for. You know. Wow. So uh, in February, you had the honor of being guest editor uh, at them uh, for Black History Month, and specifically for their uh, LGBTQ content. Well, what, what was that experience like? Yeah, it definitely. Um when I tell you, like, I felt like someone slapped me in the back of my head, they like slapped me in the back of my head. Um, cause it wasn't even something that I was like considering or doing. I have been like offered editor positions before, but I always like said no. Um, mm-hmm. cause I'm also very fearful about like jumping into being an editor and those responsibilities before like having to be like a staff writer, which are rare positions. Um, yeah. Grateful to have been like, <laughs> so rare. I'm grateful to like have been like a columnist. So I like know the type of like capacity needed to do that. But like being an editor was a whole entire <laughs> dip. Like I texted my editors and I was like, yo, I have so much more respect for you because the amount of disrespect that was like hitting my inbox with the few gems of gold. Um, I'm so thankful uh, to everyone who I commissioned, like, please hire them. I like off the top of my head, um, Vincent Desmond, Jelani Williams, um, Naya Hawkins. That's all I can remember right now. Um, and for me in that guest editor position, what I've seen is that sometimes journalists get guest editor positions and they just hire their friends. Mm. Let it marinate for a second. If you're in a guest editor position, if you're an editor, how I interpret that and what I expect is this is your time to open the door for people whose pitches normally get overlooked by editors or don't feel confident enough to pitch. Also, what I realized in this experience is that people have ideas, but they don't know how to properly format a pitch. They don't know even how to put it in the subject. Like, it's really like a baby learning how to walk for the first time, right? And I remember trying to figure out how to pitch and, like, subject being off and I'm writing too much and not getting to the point, right? So what I did in that um, position is that I was giving feedback to everyone. Like, every single person who sent a pitch pitch into me got feedback like I made that like a priority like if I'm not going to accept it because I hate when you get passed along but you don't know why right so then mm-hmm. you start doubting yourself I wanted to let everyone know like hey I need more clarification or this just didn't work for the month or like I had a lot of non-black people pitch me during black history month may have been pieces about black people but they weren't written by black like journalist right Mm. so um it gave me kind of like a step in the other person's shoes um which I'm like grateful for so now I feel confident like if I have to ever one day apply for an editor position I know what it means to like manage and stick to an edit like editorial calendar but we really like produced a lot of great work um Mm. which I'm really proud of and then number two I fought for all of my writers to get paid the same Um, because working with the editorial staff, 
like one writer was offered maybe $50 more than the other writer. And I was like, no, they need their, they need to have the same rates. I was like, I don't care what it means. I said, if you don't do that to them, I will give them the extra money because everybody needs a Condé Nast byline, which them is under Condé Nast in their arsenal, in their portfolio that unjustly is going to open up a lot of doors. Um, So I was great to give some people who was like, that was their first published piece and some people who have like respected like a Condé Nast byline. So it was um, a great opportunity. Like I'm very grateful to them. Um, They gave me like a special project too, interviewing a lot of like black queer celebrities. Um, I think we like interviewed maybe over 10 of them. So overall, it was like a really good month. I'm like, I'm proud of the content we produce. I'm proud of the people who I was like able to put on. Um, and I'm expecting that check pretty soon, Condé now. So um, <laughs> let's not get it twisted if one of y'all hear this. Hashtag pay her expeditiously. Look, um, I have been known to fly to New York, come into a publications building and ask for my money. Okay. Oh, no, that's, that's energy. We love that. We do love that. And I, I really love what you said about giving feedback because I'm sure you know some editors will just ghost your emails and though being ghosted hits very differently. It's like, at least let me know what I could have done better with the pitch, what I could have done better with writing the email. Um, and sometimes it even brings up, you know, damn, is, is my name just not recognizable enough? Like, am I always going to lose to the to the bigger writers who have the bigger bylines and who have been doing it? And in a way, it makes sense. But it's also like, you know, there are some people who are talented and just kind of need that that opportunity um, and need to know how to go about it properly. So uh, it's, it's really amazing to hear that from you uh, all the way from fighting for the for the equal pay to actually helping them develop. So when they pitch to someone else, um, they can be better. That's, that's awesome. That's really awesome to hear. Um, Okay, great. I I'm good. Nick, you got anything else? No, I think I'm good. I think this is. I mean, there's a lot here to just sit and reflect yeah. on. We had a moment. Yeah. Like, Dang, I didn't yeah. think we could get all deep like that. Well, Very that. overwhelming, but yeah. no, this is amazing. overwhelming in the good way. But yeah, in, in the good thank way. You, thank you, Taylor, for being here. We're so, so no, glad. thank y'all. I appreciate y'all. I love what y'all are doing. Like. I hope that it grows. I hope that like one day they're like having like governor's ball and like y'all get to like do like a live podcast taping. That mm, his name. Yes. I'm a big person of manifestation. I don't know if we're still recording, but y'all yeah. most okay. Most of my writing bylines have been for me going on Twitter and being like, I wanna write about this or I wanna write for y'all and somehow it goes to an editor or a friend. Mm-hmm. That's how I got into pitchfork, to be wow. honest. Mm-hmm. So y'all listening to that? Do it. Yeah. Manifest Shoot it. your and shot. And then do it. Shoot your shot on the internet, whether it's writing or for romantic relations. Either way, <laughs> something is going to go good. I have shoot my shot into many relationships and bylines. So give it a try. There it is. There it is. Well, Taylor, again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we're going to get into this bulletin board really quick. Um, there is nothing going on. No local events. No concerts. There's a lot happening on social media. Um, some people have been doing like streaming concerts through Zoom or I think like a couple like TV networks have set up some technology type stuff. So wash your hands, stay inside, sanitize and moisturize because there are no events, uh, no events outside. But tune into an IG live bars, man. That's that's bars. Um, <laughs> but I again, do have a local event for y'all. Oh, yeah. Tell us. 
Okay, everyone. So I don't live in New York, but have y'all gone to see Corey Towns DJ? I have not seen him DJ yet. I've okay. heard he's really good though. Really, really good. So Corey Towns um, started Function Worldwide, which is a new platform for DJs to spend for their homes and connect with fans. Because on IG, you get flagged and they cut you off the platform because the music you're playing isn't your own because of copyright. Um, Mm -hmm. Same thing can happen with Twitter or Periscope. So um, Corey Towns through Function Worldwide is doing a DJ set once a week for two hours on Twitch. So tell all of your local DJs if they're like wanting to like do a set from home and not get flagged by Instagram, link up with them. Also, the mixes are fire. Hmm. Okay. Well, there it is. Function Worldwide, Corey Towns on Twitch. We'll have information for you all. Um, but yeah, awesome. Again, Taylor, thank you so much. Um, from, from from the shooting shot gems to the amazing airport story to just your overall career and your impact, we look forward to seeing everything that you continue to do. And we just genuinely enjoy having this this connection. Thank you. I love y'all. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, stay safe, stay humble, and stay big. We got the best podcast in the city. Y'all mind, Nick Gurley with the flex. Stay busy. Topic after topic, conversation. Stay litty. Keep it witty. No witty. Stay out jiggy. Get gritty. Stay with Six lines. Busy. Get involved. All you little other podcasters getting crossed. Get lost. Like trying to go crawl. Burn. I'm trying to run a cover like Moss. Burn. Stay busy. Nigga arm dedicated. Cornell grass. So you know they educated. Killing every episode. I know the haters hate it. But they love it on the low. with confused admiration. We live right now. Ray J on the line with it. This podcast straight up. Trevor Scott Lynn. The shorty son episode I might hit. But I left the arm red once I watched it. You know the boy clean, I ain't washed up. Levels crew with me, get involved, Mo. My guys know the music, they are not slow. So get situated with this hot show. You know we stay busy. 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 You know we stay busy.